Hi everyone, welcome to this session of Under My Roof. Um, today's talk will be given by Father Michael, um, who will be speaking to us about um, building a deeper relationship um, with Christ. Um, so if we'll also have a Q&A section at the end. So if you want to participate, for those of you joining us on Zoom, you can send us um, your questions on the Q&A function. Um, and for those watching on the live stream, we want you to sign up to Zoom, so um, uh, to, to Under My Roof. So please sign up on the website and we'll send you the Zoom link next time. Um, and if you have any technical difficulties, you can use the chat function and let us know and we'll try our best to help you. So the schedule for today is the worship will be given by the Divine um, Music Team uh, by Joan and Fidis, and the talk by Father Michael, um, who's a legionary of Christ and um, the Lumen Chaplain in Washington, DC. So um, we're very grateful to have Father Michael joining us all the way from the US. Um, and it's quite early there as well. So thank you, Father, for joining us. Um, yeah, Murray, next slide, please. Um, for for anyone um, who wants to share this, you can share it with your friends. Um, they can just, you can send them this uh, QR code, um, which will lead them to the YouTube page um, where we're live streaming this as well. However, we won't be monitoring the questions on, on the YouTube um, live chat. Um, we'll only be taking questions for those that are registered on Zoom. Thank you. We invite the worship team to, to lead us in worship now. Conquer the grave 
Let us strive to have the same love as Jesus said for us. The love that he can take our shame, our sin upon himself. That is love. When he stretched himself out on the cross, that was his love. But when we look at 1 Corinthians 13, it says, If I speak in tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noise gong or a clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understanding of all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith, so as to remove mountain, but do not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over all my body so that I may boast, I do not have love, I gain nothing. For God's love is patient, love is kind, love is not envious or boastful, arrogant. His love is not rude, it does not insist on its own ways, it is not irritable or resentful, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing but he rejoices in the truth let us live in the truth of Abba Father the truth of love let us live in the truth of Christ that he has said before us that it bears all things believes all things hopes all things and endures all things because his love never rains but all for prophecies they will come to an end for tongues they will cease for all knowledge it will come to an end but we know the love of Abba Father will never cease to stop so let us never lose the wonder of our Christ let us remain in all of him let us keep on falling in love of him even though sometimes it feels like we know too much of God let us keep on remember that we are children let us come before in before in, in, in reverence and fear of him because he is father let us come before him like a child and love him let us remain in all of our father our father may we never lose your wonder. May we keep on seeking for your face in our day-to-day -day life, Father. May we live in this grace that you have set before us, Abba Father. May we keep on loving you. May we keep on remaining in your love, Abba Father, because you are worthy. You are worth of all we can give, Abba Father, because we can see how broken our world is. We can see that the people are lost. We can see that there is many prophecies in this world, but what message is love? If we, if we give charity if we do good without love, we are just broken things. If we can move mountains, if we can make miracles without love, we are just broken martyrs. Let us be the love of Christ. Let us be an example of Christ in this world today. He says, I stretched out myself for you on the cross. I died for you on the cross. Can you be my hands and my feet in this earth? Let us remain in the love of Father. Let us remain in all of our Father today. Let us be an example of him to the world. Let us claim that Lamp is he who was slain for us. Lamp is the king. He is Jesus. He conquered the grave. Grave has nothing on him. Sin has nothing against our Father because he has defeated all. All of our transgression has been defeated on the cross. All of our sins have been defeated on the cross because Abba Father's love has cleansed our dirtiness on the cross. We thank you, Abba Father, for the cross. We thank you for what you have done for us on the cross. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain for me. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Let us claim it. Oh, worthy is the King who conquered the grave. And worthy is the Lamb who was slain.
with us. This is unfailing love. Sing every word and mean it. There you take my place. That you Thank you, uh, Joan and Phyllis, for that um, amazing worship. Uh, I now want to invite Father Michael to give us a talk. And um, for um, all of you joining us um, just that have just joined us, um, Father Michael is joining us from Washington, D.C., um, and is a member of the Legionary of Christ and also the Lumen Chaplain um, in Washington. So um, I want to invite Father now to give us a talk. Great. Thank you very much, Ruben. I'd like just to start with a very simple prayer to the Holy Spirit, in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, amen. Holy Spirit, please be a part of this talk today. I ask you to inspire me as your priest, to inspire everyone listening that they can hear the message they need to hear about Jesus Christ, that he can truly be the friend, the center, the brother, their Lord, the king of their life. Help me preach a message that will inspire that, encourage that, and help that come to fruition. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So welcome everyone from Washington. The sun is just coming up here. I think for a lot of you in Europe anyway, it's uh, around midday. Um, I'm really happy that I was asked to give this talk because it's my favorite talk, talking about Jesus, friendship with Jesus. And I'd like to start with a little anecdote. About two years ago, I was walking into a coffee shop here in D.C., right in the heart of the city. And just as I was going through the door, I heard a voice from the street that said, is he real? A very direct question to me as a priest. Is he real? It was from a homeless veteran who had served in the war. And I looked at him and I walked out and I looked him in the eyes and said, are you asking if God is real? And he said, I am. I'm asking, is he real? And I said, yes, he's real. Why do you wonder if he's real? And he told me, you know, Father, at one point I was walking these streets like everyone else. And now I'm homeless. And sometimes I wonder if God knows I'm here. Sometimes I wonder if God cares about me. Sometimes I wonder if I have the same dignity as everyone else. I wonder if he's up there and he's thinking about me and loves me as a father, I wonder. And I told him, you know, I think God actually cares more about you than just about everyone else because you're suffering and you're one of his children. And I'd like to start with that, that who's ever listening on this call, we are brothers and sisters in Christ with the same dignity and the same value and the same relationship to God the Father and the same relationship to Christ as our brother. What a gift, what a gift. And I'd like to 
give a very simple pathway that can help you discover that gift of friendship with Christ. And I think I'd like to start with why is friendship with Christ so important? We all have friends. I think everyone on this call has a couple friends, hopefully many friends. And they're your friends because they care about you, because, you know, there's an authentic relationship. They respect you. They accept you. They're there for you. They have your back, right? There's a shared value system. We need to have friends. But the difference between the friendship with Christ is that he can actually help you from within, from within your heart. He can help change the way you think, the way you feel. He can help you through crosses and obstacles and challenges and anxieties. He can give you a trust that no friend can give. He's in the boat. He can calm your soul when it's hurting, when it's troubled. And he'll accompany you 24-7 wherever you are, not just when you're with them, like you are as with friends, but physically he's with us 24-7. So it's an important friendship, and hopefully it's a friendship that will endure, if we have this faith, into eternity. It's an eternal friendship. So it's a very important theme. Our temporal and eternal happiness and peace depends on it. And I think about that sometimes because so many people live for happiness, the next party, the next soccer game or a football match, as you say in Europe, you know, the next big event, the next travel experience, the next vacation. And we look forward to it. And then it comes and it goes and it was happy. But I'm talking about a peace, a peace that only God can give. We have a hole in our heart. It's the Jesus hole that only Jesus can fill, only him. And you can't stuff anything else in there, only Jesus. And those are the happy people, the truly happy, truly joyful, truly peaceful people are the friends of Jesus. So I came up with a little acronym. I know a lot of you like acronyms, so you can remember this talk. And I forced it a little bit. Sometimes it's hard to have the perfect acronym, but I think it's pretty good. So the acronym is SECRET. You know, <laughs> this is a secret pathway. And really it's not that it should be a secret, but it is a secret because very few people walk this pathway. It's a hidden pathway, right? It's kind of hidden. It's secret. So every letter stands for one of the ways to get closer to Christ. I'm going to start with the, the letter S which for me is sacred scripture. You know, St. Jerome said that ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. You know, here in the United States, a lot of the kids were wearing this, what would Jesus do? Um, little band wristlets, right? What would Jesus do? And I think it's really beautiful to ask, what would Jesus do? But sometimes I would ask them, how do you know what Jesus would do if you don't know what he did? If you don't know Jesus, if you haven't read his word, if you don't know his life, you know, and it's not just reading a book. The Bible is the living word of God. It's very active. It comes alive. It jumps out at you. It speaks to you. It speaks to your heart. And when I think of scripture, my first thought is the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit inspired the text through the authors, in particular, the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when you're reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're reading the words of Jesus. That's incredible. The words of God himself, what he said, what he did when he came down to earth. And the Holy Spirit who's in you is going to tell you what you need to hear, what you need to process. I used to love, I spent six years in Rome. I spent six years in New York City. And I love going to the museums in Rome and New York City, especially the art museums. 
And I, as I walked around the different salas, you know, the Renaissance in particular was an era I really appreciated. I would walk into the Renaissance era. It's very Catholic, thankfully. There's a lot of beautiful paintings of Jesus and the Blessed Mother. And I'd walk into these salas and I would notice one that caught my eye. And then I'd get closer and I would look closer into that painting. Something else would jump out at me and I'd focus on the face or this background image and it would speak to me. That's the way I think sacred scripture is. I read it. It's like I'm walking into an art gallery and one word or one line jumps out at me. You know, one of my favorite passages in scripture is Luke 5. When Jesus asked Peter to put out into the deep. Jesus is always asking me to put out into the deep, to go a little further, to trust him, to get out of my comfort zone, to leave the shore. So I encourage you, make time to read and prayerfully meditate on scripture. Don't just read it. Listen to what the Holy Spirit wants to tell you. The second letter is E. The Eucharist, it's pretty obvious. I don't think you can be a friend of Christ if you're not a friend of the Eucharist. And the Eucharist isn't just going to Mass on Sunday. The Eucharist is having a real faith in the real presence. You know, it's letting that real presence touch you. And one of my good friends back home in Michigan told me, you know, Mike, when I go to the Eucharist, I feel like I'm getting a suntan. I'm lying out in the sun. It's a spiritual suntan. I'm just letting the rays of Jesus touched my heart. It's so simple. You know, you don't, have to, you don't have to be a priest to pray in the Eucharist. Just be with him. Let him touch you. Let him love you. I used to love going in churches in Rome, in New York City, especially the big St. Patrick's Cathedral and all these churches, because it was so quiet, so peaceful in the midst of this chaotic town that many of you live in. It's the same thing. You know, so when I was a kid, I have two brothers and a sister. My dad, I was the youngest. My dad would ask me to go shopping with him to Farmer Jack. I don't know if you have Farmer Jack in your country. It's just a grocery store. And it was just a 10-minute drive. But, you know, I really didn't think about what I was going to say to my dad. And sometimes we wouldn't even talk. But my dad wanted me to be with him. My dad loved me. And without saying anything, he communicated that love. And that's the way I feel in front of the Eucharist. I don't have to say anything. I just want Jesus to love me. I want Jesus to touch me. You know, maybe that's hard to have that silence and that quiet. But let his gaze meet your gaze. Let his heart touch your heart. And maybe even ask him, Jesus, is there something I'm missing? How can I please you? Is there anything you're worried about, Jesus? How can I help you? And usually you get an answer. <laughs> And it's not going to be a hard answer. And obviously going to mass, right? To take advantage of being with Christ at the Last Supper. You know, St. Augustine said in the Eucharist, Christ makes us Christ. There's a transformational power in the Eucharist. It's not just going to mass. And it doesn't matter if the priest is boring. It doesn't matter if the church is, you know, not beautiful. It doesn't matter if the music isn't as good as what we just heard. It's okay. That's not why we go. We go to receive Jesus in our heart in the Eucharist. That's what it's about. Very powerful. He touches us, transforms us, works on us, comes into us. You know, and here in D.C., I work with a lot of different people. I work with business leaders. I work with a few political leaders. And I work with some young professionals, kids in their 20s. There's two kids. One's 24. His name is Chris. The other is 26. His name is Ralph. They go to daily mass. 
Chris is about to get married. He's engaged. Ralph has two kids with a third on the way. He's only 26. And they both wake up at 5.45 or 6 so they can get mass in before their crazy day. And these two kids, if they could be in this call, you would see a glow. You'd see a peace. You'd see a joy that you don't see in other kids here in D.C. People that love Christ in the Eucharist have a glow. You see it. It's worth it. Try it. <laughs> it works. So the third letter is C, which is the cross. I have a crucifix behind me. The cross. You know, if you, if you Google um, count your blessings, not your crosses, that's the normal uh, phrase that will show up. You won't find this phrase, count your crosses as blessings. Count your crosses as blessings. Because sometimes and often if you have faith, the cross is what can lead you to Christ. I have an older brother who's a deacon in the Catholic Church. His name's Tom. His first child that was born when he was 25, his wife gave birth to a Down syndrome girl at 25, his first child. His last child, Nicholas, who was born 12 years later, has autism. He has two special needs kids out of five. He has a busy job, a lot of things going on. God gave him the cross because it is a cross having a Down syndrome and an autistic child. And he and his wife are so beautiful and so strong and so faithful because that forced them to grow closer to Christ in the Eucharist, forced them to grow, have more faith and trust, forced them to dig deeper in their heart. I have a sister who I just visited, an older sister, and she's had rheumatoid arthritis since she's been three. She's been in a wheelchair her whole life. I was just with her. And her body is all shriveled up and her hands are twisted and she has all these scars all over her body. But she's the most joyful, happy, peaceful woman I know because she's accepted this cross with love and she's used it as a way to get closer to God. It's hard. I know a young man here who, when he was in college, got into an accident, car accident. His friend was drinking. He was supposed to be the designated driver and he was drinking and he got it. He ran into a truck, ran off the road. And this boy, this young man I know was paralyzed from the waist down. He played basketball. He was an athlete. He had a job and he'll be in a wheelchair for the rest of his life. And I visited him. I was close to him. I visited him in his house, in his room. And he had a cross just like the one behind me. And I said, Kevin, does that cross help you? And he said, father, I look at it every day. I look at that cross every day. And it helps me so much because I realize Christ went through a lot of suffering too. So to take advantage of the crosses, to embrace the crosses with love, it's so important. The next letter is R, which I chose reconciliation, which is the sacrament of confession. You know, when I think of Christ, my first thought is mercy. My first thought is a friend who understands. My first thought is, Christ is ready to forgive. And when I go to confession, the biggest thing is Christ. I, I want to tell him I'm sorry. Jesus, I'm sorry for letting you down. I'm sorry for getting in your way. I'm sorry for messing up your plan. I'm sorry for hurting myself. Because really what I'm doing is hurting myself. I'm taking away my own happiness. I'm sorry, Lord. You know, there's a beautiful phrase from St. John Paul in confession where he says in his document, Reconciliation and Penance. The grace proper to the sacrament of confession has a remedial power and helps to remove the roots of sin. I'm going to give you kind of a gross example. I run marathons. Okay. 
So I do a lot of running. My feet get really sweaty. I'm running around all day in black shoes and black socks. So for a while I had athlete's foot, really gross, not pleasant. My feet were driving me crazy on the subways and trains. So I went to my doctor and said, what, what do I do? And he said, well, you know, take this pill two times a day and come back because I have to make sure this doesn't affect your liver. And after six months, my toenails turned from yellow to white and it's gone. Okay. But that's kind of what happens when you go to confession regularly, you're taking this antibiotic that's attacking the virus. And that's kind of what sin is. It's gross. It's fungus in your soul. It's not pleasant. And some people say, it's not a big deal. It is a big deal. It's affecting the spiritual health. That's why you're not happy. That's why you're not joyful. That's why you're kind of down because you have this weight of sin. Just dump it, get rid of it. And not just for the big ones, but for the small ones. You have a lampshade above me and I don't know how these bugs get in there, but there's always some bugs that get in the lamp. I think we all have that problem, right? And every so often I, I need to look up and get a ladder and take the lampshade out and clean it out and wash it. And, you know, and then the light is more bright. And that's what we need to do to our soul. We need to wash our soul of the bugs of sin. And that helps. And that brings us closer to God. And I think the important thing there, too, is, is to do an examination of conscience before you go to confession. Maybe even do it every day. Ask Jesus, what were you teaching me? How are you loving me? What do you want from me? Am I getting in your way? I ask that question every day. The next letter is E. So we're using the acronym SECRET, right? S-E-C-R-E. -E. Evangelize. I think... It's almost a natural consequence of being a friend of Christ. You want to give what you've been given to others. You want to share the treasure. So many people share tips on cooking. I'm a, I'm a runner. You know, I have a group of runners. We're always talking about the new shoe, the latest goo pack, you know, the latest stretch, or how do I get through this injury? We're always talking to improve. How can I get faster? You know, everyone has their group of friends based on their passion. Well, is your passion Jesus? If it is, you're going to share that friendship. You're going to talk about it. You're going to want to, you know, develop that. I had the, the blessing. I know a lot of you are listening from, from England. I had the blessing of going to London in the year 2000, just before World Youth Day. And we stayed at Holy Ghost Parish in Balham, if any of you are familiar with that, the very holy priest. We stayed in a house and and I was with a bunch of high school kids and we knocked on over a thousand doors. We went door to door, knocked on door after door after door. And some doors and some people were kind of tough. I personally had a door slammed in my face. Boom. Then I knocked again. <laughs> and we actually had a conversation. I was with a bunch of kids. It was, it was hard for these kids, right? And some people invited us in and some people were curious. The reason we were knocking on the doors was to let them know Hey, Holy Ghost Parish is only a couple blocks away. Here's, here's a bulletin. Here's the mass schedule. You're welcome. You know, even if you're not Catholic, you can come. But if you are Catholic, you know, you, you can receive communion. And this is the name of the priest. He'd love to see you. And I was really happy to get a note from the pastor two weeks later telling me, Father Michael, 112 people started to go to mass at my parish consistently more. After you left, 112 more people went to mass every Sunday at his parish because we did that mission. 112 more people were receiving Jesus in their heart on Sunday because we went to London. And maybe that grew because those 112 people shared the faith. 
you know, right now there's a lot of talk about the nuns, people with no, no, no religious affiliation. We have a lot of them here in this country, in the United States, people that don't really believe in God. It's just not important to them. How is the faith going to spread? It's not just up to me as a priest. It's up to all of you. And you can't just talk about it. It's got to be real in your heart. It has to be something that resonates. It has to be something that vibrates. It has to be something that people sense this is real. He's not just, you know, making this up. He's not just preaching from his head. He's preaching from his heart because this matters. It matters to me. That's why I'm doing this talk. It should matter to you. If, you, if you're a friend of Christ, you want other people to be a friend of Christ. You know, and I think of London in particular. I went to the Tower of London. I saw the cell of St. Thomas More. I read the lives of St. Oliver Plunkett and St. John Fisher. These great saints gave their life for the faith. They put their blood on the line. They had skin in the game. You know, and if you're, if you're going to battle for Jesus, when I was confirmed, I was told I was a soldier for Christ. And ever since that day, when I was 14, I've been trying to fight for Christ. I want people to know Christ. I want him to be the center. That's what we're talking about here, right? And when you start fighting for Christ, guess what? He becomes closer to you because you're, you're his friend. You're his companion in the battlefield. It's a beautiful way to grow closer to Christ, to share Christ with others. And then finally, and the last letter is theotokos. That's the tricky one. Theotokos, right? That's a Greek word, which means mother of God. And I put Mary in there because I don't think you can ever separate Jesus from Mary. And a lot of Protestants will say, Father, you know, why do you worship Mary? Father, there's only one mediator between God and man, Jesus Christ. Father, you know, why are you wasting time talking to a human being? She's just human. And I tell them, you know what? Um, number one, I have a mom. I'm a priest. I understand this relationship between Jesus and his mom. I'm not married. Jesus was not married. I don't have kids. Jesus didn't have kids. And for a priest and for Jesus, there's no one more special in the world than our mom. No one has our, our heart strings, you know, really in their hand more than our mom. No one can move our heart, move our eyes to tears more than our mom. It's impossible for a priest, I think, to say no to his mom. It's impossible for Christ to say no to his mom. You know, Jesus loves his mom. He came 100% from his mom. His whole body, his physicality is from his mom. That's unique, right? And his mother is physically with him in heaven right now as the queen. And when Mary looks into Jesus's eyes and said, Jesus, could you help Phyllis? Could you help Joe? Could you help Frank? Jesus can't say no to Jesus through Mary. And that's through the rosary. It's through, you know, little prayers you can say, little devotions, and just a really simple attitude of being a son or daughter of Mary. I have an image of Guadalupe. I'll show you right there, as you can see. Kind of a big one. <laughs> and that's, that's what I look at in my room. And I pray the rosary every day. I've been praying it since I've been 16. And, and just having Mary as my mother has been so helpful. I feel she hugs me. She comforts me. She touches me. So I guess, I guess the last point kind of circling back. So just, just to kind of remember, I use an acronym secret, the secret pathway to friendship with Christ, the hidden pathway, secret pathway. 
sacred scripture, you know, kind of discovering the person of Christ, especially in the gospels, the Eucharist through adoration and daily mass or mass at least once, once a week. You have the cross, which is a blessing and an opportunity to grow in love for Christ. Reconciliation, where we can feel Christ's merciful love towards us, right? To evangelize, to share that love. When you share it in a way, you grow in it. And then, and then Theotokos, through our Blessed Mother, you can enter the heart of Christ. And I can tell you as a priest, you know, there, there's no greater treasure that I have than that. There's no greater treasure I have than being really close to Christ as my best friend. No one comes close. I lost a brother. One of my brothers died. And that was really hard. I lost my mom and my dad a few years ago. That was really hard. He dried my tears. He comforted me. I've had to accompany people in really tough situations, and he's been there with me. And the last thing I'd say is, you know, I'm not going to say it's easy, okay? I'm not going to say it's a smooth path. I'm not going to say it's going to be smooth sailing on calm waters. But frankly, I don't care what the waters are doing. I don't care what the, what the clouds are doing. I don't care if there's a hurricane or there's sleet or rain or snow. I don't care if there's darkness and cold weather and bitterness. I don't care as long as Jesus is in the boat. As long as Jesus is with me, I'm going to have peace in the midst of anything. And that's all I need. The circumstances change. The cross is always going to be there for all of us. We can't avoid it but you can have joy and peace in the midst of suffering. You can experience heaven on earth if Jesus is your friend. It doesn't matter what you're going through. You know, my, some of my happiest days were when I was studying in Rome. I was getting up at five o'clock every morning. I had five hours of classes, four hours of study. I'd wash pots and pans at night. Crazy, hard schedule for six years studying. We had some fun too. We went out for ice cream, had some hikes and played soccer and basketball. But it was a long, hard day in my 20s and early 30s. And I was so happy because Jesus was with me. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm washing pots and pans at 11 o'clock at night. I love you, Jesus. You're here. He sweetens it. You know, it's kind of like drinking black coffee or you can put a little cream in there. It makes it taste pretty good, enjoyable. Well, very good. Th those, those were my main points. I hope that was helpful. I know there's some questions, and I, I guess I'll let Ruben um, handle the questions, and I'll try to answer them. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, Father Michael, um, for that talk. It was really great. Um, so now we'll get to the, some of the questions that came in on the Zoom Q&A. Um, and if anyone's watching this um, on YouTube and wants to submit a question, you can also add it on the live chat. And um, if we have enough time, we'll get to that as well. So um, so this uh, first quick question that came from Anonymous, it says here, um, was what was the name of the painting Father was talking about? Um, yeah, so actually, I, I wasn't necessarily talking about a painting. I was talking about paintings in general. Yeah. Um, you know, so when we, when we look at a beautiful painting, I compare that to meditating on scripture. So there, there's something about every painting we see that catches our eye. And maybe some paintings catch your eye more than others. So it's the same thing when we look at a gospel text, we could read a whole paragraph and maybe there's one line that really speaks to us. So that was more, more the example. I was trying to make an analogy. But yeah. I would also say that going into a Renaissance, a gallery where there are um, paintings from the Renaissance, you know, it could also be a form of prayer and meditation as you reflect on the beauty 
of Christ who is depicted in so many ways in history. That could be a very enriching way of praying too. Yeah. Um, another question that came in was, I feel like God doesn't hear my prayer or maybe I'm doing, not doing enough for him to listen. How do I make my connection more stronger with him? Okay. Well, I mean, one thing we need to realize is that Christ is a protagonist when it comes to praying. We can't really control that necessarily. Um, so it's not a question of trying harder. There's not some, you know, magical technique that's going to instantly bring you closer to God. It's a gift. It's a grace. You know, I, I will share a brief story. When I was studying in Rome, I was about 30 years old and I was getting close to being ordained a priest. And we had a, a, a long retreat. And during that time, it was very dry and very hard. And I went to my spiritual director and said, Father, this is really hard. I'm not feeling anything. It's super dry. And he said, you know, we'll just talk to Jesus from the heart and tell him what you're feeling and, and open your heart to him and listen and create some silence. So I did. I went back to my room. I looked at a crucifix similar to the one behind me. And I said, Jesus, this is kind of hard. I'm very tired. I need a little love. I need something. I need to know you're there. I need to know you're real. And he actually did speak to me. Again, don't forget, I've been doing this for a long time. So it's not like this happens every day. Right? It's not just going to happen. But he did speak to me. And he said, Mike, I, I know this is hard. And I know you didn't choose to, to, to walk this path, but I need your help. I'd be so grateful if you can continue and be my priest. You know, I, I really want to touch many people through your priesthood. Could you please help me? And it was very powerful. And that's why I'm here today because of that conversation. So I'm not saying you're going to have that, that gift or that grace. It was a very special grace, but he, he did speak to me, but don't depend on that because prayer isn't about having these revelations. It's about getting in the words of St. Teresa of Avila, the wisdom to know God's will and the strength to do it. That's what matters. It's not about feelings. It's not about, experiences, even though we want that, what matters is you're going to, you're going to come out fortified and determined to conform your will to God's will. That that's the takeaway. Yeah. Um, there's, there's two or three questions that are along the same line. So I'll just kind of summarize it in one. Um, and it's around evangelizing um, and what the best way of evangelizing is, especially when some people might be more resistant um, and yeah, just some tips on evangelization. Okay, well, the first thing I'd say is be holy, okay? <laughs> be holy, all right? If you don't have Christ in your life, if you're not spending a lot of time praying, if you're not living an authentic lifestyle, you know, you're not going to convince anyone. So there's an expression, a sad saint is a bad saint, right? If you're a walking billboard of Catholicism and you're walking around sad and bitter and angry and depressed and negative, who's going to want to be Catholic, right? I mean, why would I want that? I mean, if this is what it does, if that's what it looks like, forget it, right? So, you know, first of all, work on yourself. I, I, I've been going to spiritual direction to a priest since I've been 12 every, you know, every month. I just met with my spiritual director. I'm always trying to grow, you know, and, and, and I think, like I said, all these tips I mentioned, the Eucharist and confession and the cross and the Blessed Mother, they fill your heart with God. And then you can, it's just going to flow out. I think people should see your glow. I, I like to use the expression, we need more glow in the dark Catholics, especially now. It's a dark world. It's a sad world. It's an angry world. It's a confused world. We need people that radiate peace and joy. It's not about, you know, the special apologetics method. It's not about, you know, getting into this logical discourse. And, you know, that, that's helpful, too. I'm not going to say it's not helpful. But if people don't see that you're different, people don't see that you, you have something in you that others don't have, which is this peace and joy, then you can't touch them because it's not going to make an impact on them. 
and Christ won't necessarily speak through you. And lastly, I say, pray to the Holy Spirit. If you have a good friend, you know, that, that isn't on the right path. And I think if you're going to evangelize, evangelize your world, your friends, your pot. You don't need to go to another country. I mean, I've done that. I've done mission trips. It's great. But look around your own backyard. In the words of Mother Teresa, find your own Calcutta, right? Not just the poor, but the spiritually poor. And ask yourself, who does God want me to touch? And have that intentionality and say, Holy Spirit, how do you want me to catch this fish? Every fish is different, you know? So you need to be really attentive to what the Holy Spirit wants you to do with each person. So I hope that helps. There's no master plan. But I think being holy, listening to the Holy Spirit, and having intentionality would be my answer. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um... Another question is around um, how do you meditate using sacred scripture? And if you have any tips on that. Sure. So, um, you know, typically I, I do an hour of meditation every day based on the readings of the day. So that might be a very simple way of doing it because you're following the liturgy of the church. We're in the time of Lent. We have Advent. There's different seasons. So I like to look at the gospel first and then I go back maybe to the first reading. But basically, I'm reading it slowly. I'm reading the text slowly. And as I'm reading it, I'm seeing if anything jumps out at me. Literally, it just hits me. And if something hits me, I, I stay there. And I chew on it. And I ask Jesus about it. You know, for example, in the Gospel of John, when Jesus saw Nathaniel, I think it's John 1, 51, he said, there is a true Israelite. There is no duplicity in him. That always struck me, that, that phrase. There is no duplicity. So Jesus, what does he care about? He cares about our authenticity. So I'll ask Jesus, Jesus, am I authentic? Am I genuine? Is there something in me that isn't genuine? What are you noticing that's duplicitous, that's fake, that isn't you? Let's talk about that, Jesus. And I could, I could meditate and think and, and pray, but it's not just thinking. I'm trying to remember. I'm, I'm conversing. I'm in front of our Lord, and our Lord is looking at me and may want to inspire me and tell me something. And once I've exhausted that point, it's almost like a the piece of bubble gum, you know, after a few minutes, sometimes you lose the flavor and you, you spit it out. Maybe you'll, you'll get another piece of gum. You don't have to chew on that gum for two hours. Okay. It might just be a few minutes and everyone has to find what works for them. But I think at least 10 to 15 minutes of meditation every day based on the gospels would be a really beautiful way to get to know Christ. And that, that affects your criteria. It affects the way you think. And in the words of St. Paul, our goal is, you know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. So we need to assimilate Christ's way of thinking and being, and that's a beautiful way to do it. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I can definitely um, uh, remember times when I read the reading for the day um, and it spoke to me in such a personal way and it was so relevant to what was going on at that time. So I sure. 100% um, agree. Um, so another question around, can, uh, I'm just gonna try and summarize these because quite okay. a few um, on the same topic. So. Um, another question was around confession and habitual sins. So for the people that are struggling with temptation for some of the same sins again and again, um, what would you advise them to do and to kind of um, help in that case? Okay. Well, I mean, like I, I quoted a, a text from St. John Paul, uh, might be a good read, Reconciliation and Penance. It's a document that he wrote. And there's one phrase in that document that talks about frequent confession. And he says specifically that the grace proper to the sacrament of confession has a remedial power and helps to remove the roots of sin. So it's almost like spraying weed killer on weeds. You know, um, you need to keep doing it. Your garden is always going to have weeds. And that's something, too, to be realistic. You can't completely get rid of sin. OK, <laughs> we're human. 
the idea is to keep the keep the garden under control so it doesn't become a weed garden but a flower garden with some weeds and I do think, you know, everyone has a different number. I don't think you need to go to confession more than once a week. I go once a week, unless you've committed a mortal sin in between. I know a lot of people that go every two weeks or every month, but I would say at least once a month, having that regular confession is important. And then I would say, you know, um, when I, if you could find a spiritual director, that's a nice little compliment to confession. Because having a spiritual director holds you accountable and you talk about these sins. I just had my spiritual direction and I, I always have a couple takeaways. So I'm working on three things. He's going to hold me accountable, you know, to three areas that I'm consciously working on. I'm not just letting my life live. I'm aware these are tendencies that keep, you know, I keep losing these battles. The devil keeps winning here. I need to consciously wake up and ask God to help me with this and live this. And the last thing, you know, it's funny. I asked a young man the other day, he told me he really struggled with patience and I said, you know, the whole world struggles with patience, but I have a question. Do you want to be patient? And he said, not really. Okay, well, then you're not going to be patient. If you don't want the virtue, it's not going to happen. And I said, if you want to be patient, then see the opportunities God gives you to be patient as opportunities you need to seize and not, you know, this is great. I'm in front of this difficult person. Thank you, Jesus. This is great. I get an opportunity to practice patience and maybe even ask God to help you with patience. It's hard to ask God to help us with something we struggle with because we don't want to go there, right? So I think we need to be honest with ourselves and, and really, you know, as a runner, I, I, you know, I just qualified for the Boston Marathon. But, you know, that didn't just happen. And, and I had to ask myself, do I want to qualify for Boston? Yes. What's it going to take? It's going to take this training, you know, 60 miles a week and 50 and speed workouts. And okay, am I willing to do that? Yes. And it's great, but you got to pay the price. It doesn't just happen. So I don't know if that helps. It's a multi-answer. Yeah. That, that, that helps. Yeah. Um, and the final question I have is, um, uh, uh, I mean, people submitted was um, asking about your um, religious order and what um, what it's kind of known for and specializes in. Sure. So Legionaries of Christ, we're an international order and we're all over the world. Um, we do. I think our main emphasis is on evangelization, you know, sharing the faith. We run schools. We work with families. We run retreat centers. Here in the United States, I'm the chaplain for a group called the Lumen Institute, which is a group of business leaders. And it's all over the country, in New York and DC and Philadelphia and New Orleans and Chicago. Um, so it's, it's, it's growing in Houston. Um, and we do a lot of spiritual direction. That's one of our main things. You know, and you know, like, like most religious orders and most dioceses right now, we've had our own um, history. We've had some mistakes. Our, our founder, unfortunately, was not a, a holy man. He lived kind of a double life. So we went through a renewal and Pope Francis approved that renewal. And, and we learned a lot of things and we're, we're healthy and we're strong. Um, but I, I think our main, our main emphasis would really be evangelizing and, and creating a sense of an apostolic heart. So we're very much Christ centered. Um, and also just to mention for those that are interested I'm on social media all over the place on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I also send an email out. So if you just, if you Google my name, Father Michael Sliney, um, uh, on any of those platforms, it'll pop up. And if you want to send me an email, I could add you to my list. Hopefully I'm not going to get too many requests, but uh, that's msliney at legionaries.org, L-E-G-I-O-N-A-R-I-E-S.org. So I hope, I hope this was helpful. Thank you. It was, yeah. Um, and we'll try and um, uh, include some your your links on the YouTube 
uh, description. So thank you. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So I now want to hand over to um, Raynell to do the final prayer. I think we're having some technical difficulties with that. So, uh, yeah. Cool. I, I can say the final prayer then. Okay. In the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Abba Father, we love you and we thank you so much for giving us the grace of Father Michael Sliney, who was who shared with us uh, the secret to a deeper friendship with you. We ask that you bless him in his ministry. We ask that you bless him in all that he does. Abba Father, thank you for speaking to us through him and may the words that he's spoken convict us and change us and become better Christians, better followers of you, Abba Father. Be with us in our journey and be with us always. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So thank you, everyone. Um, Father Michael, if you could just announce your Instagram. Um, is that is at Father... Michael yeah. Sliney, right? Michael Sliney. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So if actually, people... yeah, you, you, you had sent me the, um, you, so you probably have it. I think you, you included me yeah. in the link. So yeah. at Father Michael Sliney. Yeah. Yeah. So you can um, uh, follow Father on there. Um, and yeah, there's also a quick announcement about next week for Under My Roof. We have Father Joseph um, doing a live Q&A. Um, so um, you can head to this link that you can see here. It'll also be on the YouTube live stream, so you can go back on it and submit any questions there for Father Joseph. So that will be happening on uh, next week. Take care, everyone. God bless. <laughs>